0: Slow yeah. Thank you for joining me for a broad view on Sheet Harbour Radio. My name is Jackie Barcos, and I want to talk about what's going on around me. I'm located on the eastern shore of Nova Scotia, but, like all of us, connected far beyond these rugged shores. I'm interested in what happens locally, provincially, federally, and globally, and how it impacts all of us. I look forward to spending some time with you and talking to interesting people. On today's show, I'm very pleased to welcome Samantha Monkton. She is a communications expert and campaigner. She's also one of the founders of March on Canada and uh, she's just uh, a marvelous advocate and I want to welcome Sam to the show. Hi there. How are you? Sam! (laughs) Sam, um, you continue to organize campaigns that include um, campaigns around the environment, women's rights, as well as advocacy campaigns to free former journalist prisoners. You're very active, um, and I really am looking forward to you telling us a little bit about that. Um, so, uh, once again, welcome Samantha Moncton to the show, and here we go. Hi. Hi. How are you? Great. So, Sam, what can you uh, what what can you uh, tell us about uh, activism in 2020?
1: Uh, besides bringing a mask and hand sanitizer, I just know that, uh, you know, it's funny because we all kind of scattered into our dens for a while. Um, and then we realized that, uh, when you have people, men, black men being killed on the street by cops, that brought us all back out onto the streets again. And I noticed that there's been some very careful, um, protocols being put in place by new, new organizers who've never even done this before. So I'm actually pretty encouraged that we have a future in activism in a different way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and we were, we were talking about it before. Uh, yeah, some of the people that are coming out, I think that uh, you know, Women's March, was uh, an impetus for really getting women particularly more involved in showing up on the streets and um, having a say I know personally I I believe in um, acts of um, discipline civil disobedience and uh, so I'd, I'd like you to talk a little bit about uh, how you see protests uh, today and and the value that they that they project on uh, politicians and those in power? I think that
1: uh, this steady is being really good. I mean, it's terrible how uh, it came about that uh, another violent incident against a man had to be uh, putting people out in the streets. But um, And the increased pressure is helpful. It definitely does push people into that act, of, act action rather than just being um hiding behind uh, policies or or commissions or panels or all those expensive tools that people seem to use over and over again to go oh we have racism okay yeah okay so like what do we do about it now i know let's have another panel or commission about it and that's i think that's what's really frustrating people i think they're sick of seeing all this money being poured into stuff like that and no action being taken
0: yeah and you've been you've been uh, campaigning and protesting for a long time and uh, tell us a little bit about some of the the different things you've been involved uh in in trying to affect change well
1: the one of the biggest things i'd managed to help do is work with um uh getting Mohammed Fah- Fahmy, who's a, a journalist who was in Cairo in jail, um, getting him back to Canada, getting him help, getting him free. Um, Stephen Harper at the time, the prime minister was not doing anything to help get him out of there uh, because he was unjustly um, jailed like many other journalists at that time around the um, 2013, 2014, that whole time around. Right. In yeah. Egypt. Uh, and so when he got out, out of jail for the first time um he hooked up with me somehow through other contacts and sorry chibi this is a bad time to do that um <laughs> sorry my lovebird, bird she <laughs> wants to get the attention but so uh i advocated for him to get back into canada but all he wanted to do was when he got out of jail for the first time was advocate for other prisoners and i was like okay that's fine and we had some success with it and, uh, but then in July, I'm like, dude, you're going to go back to jail if we don't like do something about this. So we turned our attention onto his campaign to get free. And it was amazing. We had, uh, we had lots of support and like letters and all that and like big social media campaign. And then he went to the, uh, court with his, um, his lawyer, Amal Clooney. Uh, yes. You oh yes, The, right. Mm-hmm. and uh and then he went back to jail that day and the whole bottom dropped out of my world i was like, oh my god we're gonna have to do this for another seven years like this is yeah. feels completely impossible but i was just like so for 23 days he was still in jail and um a lot of back and forth and then one day he was just dropped outside of his old high school with no money and no wallet and no nothing and, and yeah dropped out there and i get these calls coming in from bbc and all this like do you know the muhammad's free i'm like what what <laughs> like so that that was like the biggest rush i could ever have to know that holy shit a man has his freedom
0: yeah sam i know that um during uh this pandemic it's it's been a very personal thing for you uh and i wanted to know if um if you'd share a little bit about that, I, I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the recent passing of your sweet dad, Gary. Um, he passed away in a nursing home in, uh was in Vancouver, right? Yeah. After he uh, contracted COVID-19. And people might recognize your name because it, it made uh, you made uh, the news Canada-wide um but anyways if you would uh take a moment just to tell us a little bit about gary well
1: uh he uh he was a blind man which is not something i usually lead with um but it's been something that people have been remarking to me as like wow um because he was a physiotherapist um ran his own company for his whole time basically Um, Him and Mum moved here in 1964, 65, on a boat and they landed, I believe, either in Newfoundland. I'm pretty sure it was in Newfoundland. And then they got to Ontario and started a life there. And I mean, we had had quite the life. We traveled like a ton, Egypt, Africa, Brazil, like you name it, we were pretty much going everywhere and i think that he did a lot of his traveling is because he had sight and he could still enjoy it with us like a small bit of sight left so um i think that was one of the reasons why we just like i don't know we felt like jet setters every year going london or you know it was fabulous but he could make three times more money in in canada than he could being a physio in england Right. In fact, half a dozen of his friends, they all moved here, and they just, like, set themselves all over Canada, because... And his,
0: he there. had a very famous client, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, he set himself up with a lot of other people, um, of his, his classmates. They set up practices everywhere, and even Dad was, uh, at one point, working for the Ashwa Generals and treated Bobby Orr. Um, so, like, he was good at what he did even and he had a guide dog and he raised money for the guide dogs with mom doing car rallies and work with the lions like very full very
0: yeah rich you know, right. very i know head. it was one i was watching the news one night and
1: um oh jeez, and then i popped up and you're like I, ah.
0: up on tv yes oh, jesus yeah. and um there you were you we were we were playing the trumpet yeah. was it trumpet yeah Outside um, the nursing home, so your dad could hear. Um. Yeah, so the blind, I mean, that was
1: the one of the reasons why the the journalists seem seemed to be very fascinated with this. It's like, uh, because music it was just was the sweetest, most
0: touching thing to see him standing. And yeah, it truly was. And well, um, it's the,
1: it's the musical connection because dad um, forced us into piano lessons and and then of course, I love music and I'm really, I'm fairly good at sometimes at playing uh, <laughs> when I have more practice. But, um, so the music element was a huge part of our lives. And I right. knew it was the only way I could connect with him and connect to his brain inside, you know, cause he was also su- suffering from a bit of dementia. Um, so I knew that I could hone in on those memories
0: right yeah and uh it was it was not long after that of course that um I, I got, got the two weeks after that yeah that i got the news that um he had passed away and uh yeah so i just thought it was important to take a moment to recognize um his life and well, the, the one thing that
1: i made sure that the media understood was uh because the, they're always like so he contracted it so how do you think he got it and I'm like you know what none of that matters what matters is that the healthcare workers are not working two jobs and that they're being paid properly and that they did the best they could and that they are my family and I will always consider them my family because they looked after him when I couldn't be there and they and they took care of him when he was dying and how could I ever say anything bad about those people.
0: Listen, I, I want it. to thank you so much for joining us today, Samantha Superfly Monkton. Love you. Have a great day, Sam.
1: You too, my love.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for A Broad View with Jackie B, brought to you by Sheet Harbor Radio. Hosted, created, and researched by Jackie Barkhouse. Produced by Lynn Matheson. Technical support and editing provided by Jeff Harrop. Lyrics and music by Shirley Jackson.